Welcome to episode number two of Retail Initiative, the podcast for retail entrepreneurs to learn, grow, and be inspired. Today, we have one of my business partners, um, Michael Steele, with us. Michael is so experienced in helping brick and mortar retailers launch successful e-commerce businesses. And that's exactly what we talk about today is what should a brick and mortar business consider when choosing to go online? And then what are the best ways to do that if they make that decision? Um, We know that you're going to get so much value out of today, um, but thank you for listening and let's jump right in. So today on the show, we're going to talk about online presence for a brick and mortar business. And with us is Michael. Um, There's three of us that are the people behind Retail Initiative, Um, myself and Dana, who you'll hear from later, and then Michael. Hey, so Josh. Thanks, Michael's the king of silence. (laughs) So uh, I talked. You did. I'm very <laughs> proud of you. Um, so Ma- what Michael, full disclosure here, Michael and I work together in a different business um, with some brick and mortar and e-commerce consulting. Um, so he and I partnered together in starting Retail Initiative and talking about um, the way that we can help grow retail businesses, which today obviously is a big part of that is online. Yeah. So I think that there's a bunch of camps here and what this stuff looks like. What I'd love for us to dive into today is talk about like I think for a brick and mortar business, the idea of starting a website or going online or investing in a new website or whatever, putting more resources into it is pretty intimidating. They're Mm -hmm. good at brick and mortar, but actually starting a, or really seriously investing in an online presence is intimidating. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I want to dive into is why should a brick and mortar business open an online store? Why shouldn't they? When, When are the occasions not to? And then what are some things that a brick and mortar retail business can do? One, to make sure that online store succeeds. And two, at least in my opinion, I think yours too, they should help each other. They shouldn't distract from one another, but your online store should help your brick and mortar store. Brick and mortar store should help your online store. Um, So Michael, why don't you tell us about, you know, I know you've worked with a ton of independent retailers Mm -hmm. and helping them launch their online businesses. Um, What do you see as like the big driver behind why an independent retailer should go online? What's the big reason for you? There are several big ones. Um, The one that provides an immediate benefit to brick and mortar retailers is it gives their customers a way to shop, introduce themselves, get familiar with your products before they come in and store. Yeah, it's that's the, like a lookbook. Yes, yeah. Um, and they may end up purchasing online, but at the very least, it gives them a way to get familiar with your brand and with what you offer. Um, if you're a, a clothing, you're of apparel or a boutique, um, they're looking to see what kind of styles you offer in your clothes and if that fits what they're looking for. Um, because you're in competition with so many other brands um, yeah. for that market, for that industry, it's important that they see um, something unique. Maybe you you carry some unique uh, brands in your store or you just have a unique style that fits mm-hmm. them well. That helps them introduce themselves to you and become more and more familiar with your products. Now, there are other big reasons but they're not always immediately felt by a retailer who like what? does them. Well, for one, it opens you up uh, to 
essentially a, a national consumer base. Um, you know, right without e-commerce, you're sort of restricted to this geographical area around your stores. Uh, you're dependent on foot traffic, advertising, local advertising, um, you know, people just referring their friends or peers mm -hmm. to your store. You're very restricted by that to get new customers or, or bring in old customers. Yeah. So yeah, e-commerce essentially takes off those boundaries. And when I say it doesn't immediately impact you is yes, it opens that up, but a lot of retailers don't see the fruit of that happen immediately. It takes a lot of additional work once the site is up to actually get in front of new people and get their attention and get them actually coming in yeah. to, to see what you have. Yeah, and I think that that's, I mean, if we were to address like the big, to me, like the big reason to go online is it's another sales channel that makes money. And especially yeah. if you are uh, reading anything about retail, it's likely that you're reading about how e-commerce is just destroying brick and mortar and how br brick and mortar is dying and it's all e-commerce. And so I think it's a natural thing for a brick and mortar retail owner to want to open an online business because it's seen as like the easiest way to compete and to move forward into the future, which yeah. I both agree and disagree with. Right. I think that there are a lot of instances where that's not helpful. An important thing I think we should circle back to a little bit later in this, this show is I think a lot of independent retail businesses didn't get into this to serve a national audience. And I think yeah. it's a, a challenge is that a lot of you listening to this, um, I assume got into this because you wanted to serve your community. You're passionate about your area, your state, your region. But, you know, I don't think that a boutique or a home decor store in southern Michigan is necessarily centered around trying to help a college girl in College Station, Texas. Sure. And what does a retailer do with that? So I want, I'd like to circle back to that. So, but to get back to what I was, I was saying is like, why don't we dive into talking through this idea of e-commerce, just destroying brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that's such a common thing today is that, yeah, that like retail's dying and brick and mortar's dying and e-commerce is what's doing it. The terrible Amazon, mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think that that's true? Do you think that brick and mortar is on the decline and e-commerce is on the rise? And if you're a brick and mortar retailer, it's like online or fail. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's many levels to that question. Uh, when you One level. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that would be hard. That would be hard to answer one level. But if you think of big department stores absolutely it is destroying those i mean you see that all over the country there's malls shutting down sears is you know going bankrupt toy you know all these big department stores that are, are all over the country who are once just thriving they're the kings mm -hmm. of retail that's just not the case anymore because of amazon walmart just these big e-commerce you know presence um they're definitely getting affected. Now, the tiers below that of retailers, independent retailers especially. Which is probably who's listening to yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. I don't think, personally, that that is a destruction of independent retail. 
I think it's forcing a shift in the way you run your business and present your business. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, that goes back to why it's important to be online as well as your, your in-store physical presence is because that is going to offer a very unique experience that customers are now expecting because of the way e-commerce has grown and become really the primary way that people are starting to discover new brands and shop and buy stuff. So I think it's forcing a shift. I don't think it's destroying independent retailers. Yeah. Um, and evidence of that is you have these very successful e-commerce brands that are solely online starting to open up brick and mortar stores. Um, so even the, the brands that have really owned e-commerce and, and been really successful on that, they're moving to brick and mortar mm-hmm. because it's about that online in-person experience that's becoming really, really attractive to customers yeah i think it's important to recognize and see that like this isn't the demise of brick and mortar Mm -hmm. but i do think we're in this very transformative season by season i really mean like handful of years over the last like three to four years and i think what we could probably expect to see over the next three to four years if not more is just the the retail landscape that's changing so much and i think a lot of ways that's going to do be something that benefits an independent retailer because I think that um, you'll probably, if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> you're probably going to hear me talk about this a lot, but I really think that like you have high, high end retail is rising and low end retail is rising and kind of where we're seeing some suffering is what's in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, even in there, like you get curated retail is still doing okay. Like a boutique or a home decor store that sells, middle not middle of the road like in quality but in reference to price points but i think you're seeing a a big transition where people are getting away from big box because what sold at big box is what sold on amazon and so there's not a reason to to go and pay extra or even waste your time at the big box store but a lot of times these local stores don't have that and so i do think where an independent retailer once could carry a merchandise pretty similar to big box and similar to Amazon and still do okay. I do think that's an area where e-commerce is going to hurt an independent retail store. So mm-hmm. if you were a pet store and you're just selling pedigree pet yeah. food, Purina. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not, you're going to suffer in this, this market. Right. But if you're selling like curated stuff that like some grandma's baking for dogs <laughs> and, yeah. and bagging it up and selling it in small quantities and you know like uh where they like bag up a chicken and it opens and it runs or something i don't know um but that 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 market is so big right now that i think that in that space brick and mortar retailers can still thrive but what i do see is that um i think that there's a a ceiling that you'll hit without adopting where the world's going with e-commerce. Right. And I think that's where like this old model of retail and new model of retail changes is in the past, you wanted to scale, you had to open additional locations. You had to buy off the lease of the person next door to you and you had to expand that way. And I think now what people are seeing is you could have a small storefront and a massive online presence and you don't have to keep opening locations. You can just grow your online business. Right. 
Yeah, you you even asked earlier, what is a scenario scenario when uh, someone should not get online and open an e-commerce channel? And For sure. I, I don't think there's any scenario where that's the case. I think anybody, even brick and mortar, that's just thriving with their local, you know, in-store community traffic still needs to get online purely to serve those customers, those local customers, because it does, um, it does provide an experience that matters and they're expecting. Um, especially if you're, if you're really active on social media and that, um, you're seeing a lot of traction from that e-commerce serves as sort of a, a connecting point for people that are interacting with you, discovering you on Mm -hmm. Facebook or Instagram. It serves as a connecting point from that moment to when they really start to dive into what you sell and what kind of products you offer, what kind of lifestyle you're sort of promoting with your, with your store. And then that moves them over to, coming and visiting your shop and shopping with you there. So even if you're solely bought in and thriving with the brick and mortar side of things, it still is going to serve a purpose, even if you're not planning or going to see uh, e-commerce become this mainstay channel for your revenue. But what do you say to the like that home decor store owner who, you know, they're never going to ship couches they're not shipping these large items. It's not going to be a sales channel for them. And, you know, their resources are tied up in growing their brick and mortar business. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so hard because there's no, there's, it's very like little felt value to have that website. What would be your response to that person who, who feels already so overwhelmed with, with running just a brick and mortar site and just getting a post up every other week on Facebook? Yeah. The idea of launching a website probably seems pretty intimidating. So in that situation, like, what do you, what do you, what would you say to that person? Well, I think you kind of explained it earlier, like the way you're going to compete against an Amazon is you have sort of this proprietary, unique, uh, either products that are very unique or, um, a brand that's very unique that people are just connecting to. And, um, so the way that because people are real quick, when you say brand, are you referring to like a, a store and the store is the brand and then like almost like a you're referring to like a unique curation of items? The store, the, com- the, yeah, the company. Yeah, the brand that they've built and then they have right. a curation of items. So yes. Nordstrom is a brand and yes. then they curate items. And of course, the, yeah, they carry other brands. Great. Yeah. Now the brand of the, the retailer. Yeah. So your your customers... Um, they're, they're going to be looking at, if they're shopping for a couch, they're going to start by looking online, even just at a minimum to kind of figure out what styles they want. Kind of like a Pinterest approach. They're, they're trying to plan out, uh, Mm -hmm. what type of colors and fabrics and style that they want. And then they may start going in person to see, you know, what, what couch is going to be best. And they're going to, you know, sit on it and try it out. Yeah. But because they're going to start at the online point, you have to be a presence for them to find and actually come and and look so that you can communicate what's unique about your couches or your bedding over 
other people in town, other people online, um, because you're the way that you will thrive is through that proprietary product. You have to be able to explain that. And that's where people are starting to do their shopping is looking online first. For sure. I, I will say the one instance where I don't think going online helps. Um, and I don't even think this is a disagreement with you because I think you'll agree with me here is if I sales disagree, that makes this more interesting. <laughs> sure. But if, so <laughs> if, if sales are declining in your store, I think it's really easy to blame this like retail apocalypse yeah. and it's really easy to blame outward circumstances. Um, but I think before assuming that online anything is going to fix your problem, I do think it's important to, um, to really evaluate your business as a whole and where you are today. Mm-hmm. Um, like that term, like throwing, you know, good money after bad. If right now, like, you know, you're that pet store that was ju- is selling everything you can get on Amazon, opening your website's not going to help. Right. And so if the the model itself isn't working, opening an online store isn't going to fix it. Right. If you are a skate shop and you're selling these certain boards and those boards aren't moving in your store, I would really look at the viability of if those boards are going to move any better online. Because it's possible that your, your buying just might be off. Yeah. And where you are could be off. So I think even though we say it it is a good option for everyone to one degree or another, whether it's launching like a full-fledged e-commerce business or uh, almost a preview of the store online, whether anywhere in there, um, a, a bad buyer, a bad business model isn't going to be fixed by a better website or a new website. Yeah, that's a good clarification because a lot of people do that. They expect that. They they hear from people that e-commerce is the way things are moving and they look at their in-store decline and they think, okay, well, that's where I got to go because everyone's saying I got to get on e-commerce, you know, and nine times out of 10, maybe even 10 times out of 10 for independent retailers, they're not going to see an immediate, as well as saying earlier, you're not going to see an immediate success from just opening up your online store. For uh, sure. And just because what you're saying, it may not be that people are not shopping in store anymore. It may be that you're, you're pro- there's something wrong with your product or your process or whatever that is actually keeping people from buying. And that's going to carry through to your website too. So, yes, I think setting expectations uh, where they need to be is really important too because it may not be the immediate solution that you're hoping for. For sure. Let's circle back to what I mentioned earlier. And that's this idea of the national audience. Because I think for a lot of independent retailers, that seems really daunting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I'm struggling to market to um, to Dallas, to Texas, or Waco, Texas, or my, commun- my, my small community, marketing nationally just sounds beyond intimidating. Yeah. So what I guess what do you mean by that, especially for someone who which I think is a lot of independent retail isn't out to sell across the entire country. Mm-hmm. Like that's not their objective. What do you say to that person? Like how can they create an online store that's valuable and that's, that helps them grow their business, but um, isn't trying to be something more than what they had ever set out to do. Yeah. Um, I think that is a really good question because that is probably where a lot of people are that are listening to this i 
definitely agree that that would be an intimidating um, thought to... Like if Sears couldn't do it, why right. could they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're laughing about it. It's really sad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People's jobs. Um, if that was you, we're sorry. Yeah, we're sorry. But you're listening to us, so we're going to help you get in a better place, right? To your question, what do you tell a retailer that's not looking to go national? Um, what I would say is if you are committed to your local area, that is great, and that can be successful for you. You know, that's going to be great for a lot of companies that, like you said, they're not looking to go national and probably couldn't go national if, if they wanted to. And so I think sticking to a local area is great. What I would say to, to those people is what you would still want to use an online presence for is to create that omni-channel experience for your customers. The people that will be local in your area that will be coming in store. Because again, even though they're looking to shop with somebody local, they're still going online, even if it's just to your site, to see what you have in stock, what kind of products you're carrying. Um, they they don't want to be going in blind um, when they walk into your store. They want to feel prepared, like they've done their homework a little bit. Or they may just want to buy from you online. And the advantage of that for you, uh, if you're that brick and mortar store, is that they can buy from you. And instead of, you know, having to choose a three-day, four-day shipping that adds another $10 to their order, they can just drive over and pick it up in store. But they were able to do the shopping. They were able to kind of compare the different products and prices with other, other companies. And then once they made their decision, now you offer this really unique experience that they can just drive over, pick it up, meet you, talk to you, and actually have it that same day without, you know, without the upcharge of delivery fees. Sure. That's, I think that's a great point. It's a pretty good transition to the next thing that I wanted to chat about. And that's the idea that a brick and mortar store and a website should not compete or distract from one another. And I think it's really easy to, to view it that way, to, you know, worry that you're going to put so much into your website and then no one's going to visit your store anymore. Or you have a website and you open a store and no one's going to buy from you online anymore. And I, I think that's a reasonable fear. So I'd love to jump into some tangible things that our listener could, could take and implement today, this week, next week, um, with or without a professional mm-hmm. to, to allow the two to grow together. And so you, you, you've talked a lot about like, using retargeting and Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. So why don't you share like how would a retailer use Facebook to kind of help both their brick and mortar and their online business? Okay. Well, I think it'd be good to first address the people that don't already have a website and Facebook especially is a really good place to start uh, because Facebook does offer a um, a store or a, a shopping cart on your business page so that you can offer an e-commerce side of your business without having to decide on an e-commerce platform or pay a designer or developer to, to set it up for you. Like if cost is an issue and that's what's kind of overwhelming you or you know making you hesitant on getting online, then at the very minimum, 
you can set up a Facebook shop in an afternoon. You mean like just literally? It is on your Facebook page, and people can go in and start looking through products like it's you know a normal shopping cart. Got it. Yeah, and so if that is you, if you're intimidated by the process of you know researching what what do I build my store on? Who am I going to hire to do that? How much money is it going to cost? Is it do I even have the budget for that? At the very least, you can get on, you can add a Facebook shop to your page and it serve as your e-commerce presence for the short term. I would not recommend that as your long-term solution, but in terms of just getting something up, it's free. You're not paying mm-hmm. for it. Uh, it's part of what you're doing already on Facebook if you're active. So that's kind of at the lowest level. Yeah. Like what about someone who has a website? Let's say they're on Shopify or mm-hmm. Big Commerce or Lightspeed Ecom. Yeah. Or one of those. Like what would you in that situation do to use Facebook, whether we're talking like retargeting or ads, you name it to to help one another. Yeah. So the the first step is to create and install something called a, a Facebook pixel. Uh, if you're not already familiar with that, it is essentially a small script that runs on your website, and that can be on every page of your website or specific pages, uh, but it is something that sits on your website and immediately will track any visitors that come through your site. So whether they land on your homepage or um, they find you through a Google search and, and immediately land on a product page, doesn't matter. It's going to track that user and it will have that Facebook data as long as they're logged into Facebook. So we're talking about like the, the creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> following you yes. across the web kind of stuff. It is absolutely creepy, but it is the standard for Facebook marketing and retargeting. So mm-hmm. at, uh, pretty much any major brand that you're shopping online is doing this already. Yeah, I mean, I could go on a side tangent forever about like Facebook and how, you know, you see those posts sometimes that are like, you know, Facebook's about to charge and if you yeah. post this thing and it's like, you don't, like you are the product here. Right. The, <laughs> you are not, you are not the user. You're the Facebook ads. People are the users and you are the product. That's my uh, Ron Swanson podcast for another day. <laughs> um, I work in techno anyway. I I digress. Um, so you mentioned pixel yes. and retargeting. Yes. What about? Well, let me let me add to that because you are able to track that user data. You can then go in and create ads in Facebook that are going to show up in people's feeds or in the ad section of the site, um, specifically to those people that came to your site. So you're not having to spend ad dollars on people that have no idea who you are, just hoping that you're hitting the right demographic, mm-hmm. right? You can actually show your ads to people that have come to your site. And when you, you know, kind of get your feet wet with that, it can go much, much deeper and much, much more strategic in how you use that. Let's say you um, target people that went to... Um, you know, a category of, of betting, then you can create an ad specific to that category and show to those people. So it's not that you're just promoting your brand or your company. 
you're actually promoting the things they were already interested in because that's where they were on your site. That's what they were looking at. Yeah. And one thing I think is super cool about Pixel that I love is um, the whole idea of lookalike audiences. Oh, yeah. I, so what that does is you, know, you have this traffic that comes to your Pixel, which means your website, and it's sitting back there, and it's like throwing a little tracker on the back of every person as they leave the website. Um, is then the ability to, with the, at the click of a button, request that your ads go to a lookalike audience. And that means that it's going to advertise to people of similar traits, similar age groups, similar everything. So the kind of people that like your stuff, those people. So if you know you have two groups, like it's almost like the doppelganger across town, um, it's showing to that person. Yeah. And that's such a unique, cool way to bring people in. So if you know they're the kind of person that's into Magnolia Home and Joanna Gaines or whatever, and yeah. you want that's who's visiting your site. Well, guess what? There's ten girls just like her across town, and you're gonna now advertise to them because Facebook's gonna see them as similar. Yeah. Um, and I think that the what's important about why this is used to drive in-store stuff is that. Um, we can take the, that post, we can take that web traffic, and we can use it to promote in-store events, to promote in-store discounts, reasons that people should visit your store, mm-hmm. right? Well, if you, if you didn't already think the, the pixel was, was creepy enough, like 101, they're not only tracking your name, um, where you live, but it's when you're creating those lookalike audiences that you're talking about, it's creating those audiences based on a lot of personal data that you have on your site, gender, location, interests that you have, what pages that you're in eHarmony.com or not. Yeah. (laughs) All of that. Nothing against eHarmony, just so we're clear. (laughs) They, they may know that you shopped on Nordstrom's recently or no, your income level, your income level, level, what your job is, your education. Are you married? Do you have kids? I, it is at that depth that it's creating those audiences for you. And yes, that is creepy and weird. But from an advertiser standpoint, that is extremely valuable data to have. 100%. And you're already, I mean, okay, it's creepy, but you're already trying to do that. You're already trying to narrow your marketing to the right people and that's what you want to know you want to know that you're you're speaking to women and in the age of 30 to 40 that have kids like you want to know that already and facebook is providing bar none the best way to to target those people yeah and that's so useful um and i you know back to in-store events is like as you create these being able to target you know, very local audience of that. So you don't have to like just to United States every single time you can do just show the, this little area and br- push people yeah. to whatever it is that you're doing. Cause yeah, I'm like, a huge fan of events. I'm sure yeah. we'll do like full episodes on them right. and why they're great. Um, and it also, it can be a great way to like, if you're doing a pop-up in another city, you can use that pixel information um, and your look like audiences, you name it to advertise just to the area where you're doing that special stuff. Yeah. Another big takeaway that I'd like to give you that is probably one of my favorite things is um, the way that you can use in-store pickup. 
Well, hold on. Can we go back to one thing? No. Facebook ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, we can go back. And store pickup is, is very good. But we'll get there. Real quick. I know just from talking to merchants about Facebook Pixel and running Facebook ads like that, even the most basic things just feel very overwhelming because they just don't have any experience setting that up yet. It's all very foreign. And so that can feel very overwhelming and complicated. Um, so I just, I think it's important to say once you get started with it, there's a lot to go through, but once you get started with it, it is very straightforward for sure. You may need help setting up the pixel, which should not be expensive at all. You could either find a friend or a family member that has experience setting that up as technological and they can do it within 10 minutes. Yeah, and Shopify and Big Commerce both have Oh, so easy. Made it so easy. It's copy to paste these. into your Shopify settings. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so you, you it's easy to get that set up. And once you do, you can start just kind of testing things out with the ads. And it takes some time to just kind of understand what you're doing. But Facebook is not just making this for developers and agencies who are professionals at this. They are making it so that Jane, who owns the boutique in Houston, can go in and do this herself without spending 20 hours. They want it to be as easy as possible to, to create these ads and create those audiences and see success for sure because they want you to pay for it. Yeah, and I think, Michael, you've written some stuff on how to do this. Yeah. Um, so what I'll go ahead and say is, uh, listeners, you can go to retailinitiative.com slash episode two, the number two. So again, that will be retailinitiative.com slash episode two, the number two. And in that, we will list out um, some of the articles, um, whether it be Facebook stuff or the stuff that we've put together that helps walk through how to do this. Yeah. So we'll definitely put some links in one place. So again, retailinitiative.com slash episode two. That's the number two. So back to the thing before you rudely interrupted. <laughs> I think that was actually really important that yeah. people know how to do yeah. it. <laughs> um, is the in-store pickup option. And I think that one, the idea of that, should you do it? The answer is like an overwhelming yes. Yes. There's zero. Yeah. Which it's not like a built-in feature of Shopify or Lightspeed Ecom or Big Commerce, right? No. L Lightspeed Ecom is the closest to out of the box. That is that is part. You just have to go in and, and turn it on as a setting to mm -hmm. offer that. How do you do it in Shopify? In Shopify, you use an app. There's a couple apps that are pretty popular and mm -hmm. they're great. I mean, you can, you know, you can set pricing based on um, where they're located and you can set sort of hours for your store so people know what time to come by and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, it's good, but it does require uh, a little additional cost, like maybe $10 a month okay. to use those apps. So the thing that you can do with it, once you, once you have in-store pickup set up and you have it running, is the idea that you now have like a one-time opportunity to bring someone into your store and increase revenue based on, on their purchase. Because, you know, they are your ideal customer and we know that because they just bought with you. Mm -hmm. They just spent money on your website. No matter what they bought, they, they did. And I'm really not a big fan of blanket discounts. And so when I say this, kind of hear me with some nuance. But what I'm a big fan of is when someone buys from your website and then chooses in-store pickup is their email confirmation 
that they get that says like, hey, your order is ready to be picked up. So once you've marked it as, as fulfilled in your end um, and they get that email, that email should include a one-time discount that they have to use when they visit your store of, let's say it's 10% off. Um, I do recommend like try to find a way to segment out like your newest stuff to not be included. I'm a big fan of not discounting new arrivals in almost all situations. It, there's just no reason you're losing markup that you don't have to, but that's a tangent for a whole other episode. But even if you do 10% off all of your purchase, only when you pick up your items, the, the goal here is like that 10% is basically a marketing expense. We've, we've already gotten them in the store. Now we just need them, them to increase their ticket size. So now we can, we can start selling to them even based on what they already purchased. And if you didn't have that in-store pickup option, you now don't have another chance to put all your merchandise in front of them. So I, I think anything that, that creates a way for them to want to repurchase from you, um, and we'll, we can get to, to sending out email campaigns and whatnot um, in future episodes. I know that's something that you're really big on, but I think you can start with the immediate thing of you just bought, now buy more. The, uh, the awesome thing about that is the discount to them does not feel like a marketing pull to get them in the store. They're already coming to the store because they have to pick up what they just mm -hmm. ordered. So the 10% off is really just like a cherry you. on top, like a thank you. So that may get them to purchase. At the very least, it's going to create a more positive experience with you and lift those chances that they are a returning customer because they had, you know, you, you stick out in their minds just through that buying experience because you offered that. Sure. Yeah, 100%. If you don't already offer in-store pickup, I, I do think it's important to say that. I agree with what Josh said, is that should be a must for anybody that's online and brick and mortar. And the reason for that is because it is a major advantage that you can offer that a lot of your competitors may not be able to, especially if they're online only. Um, because they have an option to come in and pick up at no additional cost to them. They can get mm -hmm. it faster and cheaper because they're not paying the delivery fee or waiting two to six days or whatever to get their, their order. Yeah. Um, so it's a major benefit and a major competitive advantage for you. Um, but if you're, if you're not already offering that and you're just thinking through what would be the process that we'd need to implement to even offer that, um, there is some nuance that you would have to figure out, but know that it's not as complicated as it feels. It's a matter of making sure that one, and this is a totally other conversation, but making sure that your inventory is synced in real time between in-store and online, uh, just so that you know you have what they're ordering in stock so that if they do come by and pick it up, you do actually have it to hand over to them. Uh, so you ha you got to at least make sure your inventory is synced up and you just need to make sure you have somebody on staff that knows to when they get that notification, whether it's an email or um, just, you know, something that pops up through your point of sale to mm -hmm. say, hey, somebody just purchased this online order. They're coming to pick it up. Then that person knows to go and pull that order uh, off the shelves or from the back and have it ready for them. And yeah, you, you can set the terms. You don't have to immediately make that available. Your terms could be, hey, 
we'll let you know when this order's ready for pickup, and that could be a couple hours or you know, or the next the day. next day even. Yeah. So uh, you kind of brushed over it, but I think it it's a big deal. Is the idea of like integrated, yeah, inventory between online and in store. Um, especially if you've been online for or in store for a while, you likely purchased like QuickBooks or Retail Pro. And as you know, like they're really difficult to integrate. In that situation, is that something that is worth like to the person like switch POS systems or how, what's your experience with like the integrations between something like Retail Pro or QuickBooks and like Shopify or BigCommerce or Lightspeed Ecom or whatever they're trying to integrate with? It is going to become necessary very quickly. Maybe you don't. What is? Having that point of sale that's integrated with mm -hmm. Shopify or whatever you're running your e-commerce on. Maybe you are okay starting out having those be separate and not integrated, but you're going to realize very quickly how much of a headache that is to manage your inventory online separate from what you have in your store through your point of sale. Um, you're going to really open yourself up to a situation where somebody orders off your website and you don't have it because somebody bought it earlier that morning. Such a brand killer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's horrible to email somebody that's already made the purchase, given their credit card to you and say, hey, we don't actually have that in stock. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. Like, yeah. If you lay it out, like how big of a deal that is. If you have a website that is crushing it, crushing it, two in 100 people that visit your website, put an item in their cart, pull out their credit card, and buy. Mm -hmm. Two in 100. Now you have to call that person who was the 2% and say, hey, we're really sorry about that. And I think that's, it's hard to bounce back from that. Like that person probably is never buying from your site again. No. And I think that's where... For someone who's trying to grow in that way, like I don't want to say omni-channel because it's kind of a, a hot word, but it's literal, like omni-channel, like multiple channels. Create multiple places and having those pull from one inventory is huge. And so I think in the long run, you either need to find a integrator, like someone who's created something that pulls the two together, or you need to switch to something that can integrate. And we have on retailinitiative.com, we have some resources on how to choose a system that does that. Um, look, we have another business that does that stuff, but that's not what we're trying to get you to. What we are trying to get you to is a way that you can like reasonably grow your business. And we'll, we can point you towards tools that you can purchase and, and do on your own. You don't need us or, or any of that. A lot of those um, resources have really good onboarding solutions. Um, so our goal isn't to get you to work with us. Um, but really what we're pushing you to is this idea that they have to sooner or later, they have to talk. Yeah. I think that's the big takeaway here is that eventually the inventories have to work together. And, and I know that that's so intimidating out there. We did a great episode with springboard later on. We'll have, um, we'll have a few other type tools like that on, on the show. Um, so there's plenty of great options out there. There's not a one size fits all. Um, we'll definitely have some guides on our website that you can follow. Um, but the, the thing that I'd love to leave you with that I think is so important is that like 
right now with the tools that are online and available to you, this is the coolest time ever to be in retail. Am I right? Like the stuff that you have at your resources, what Shopify gives you or big commerce or Lightspeed or Springboard, what they give you in regards to data, the reach that you can get with Facebook advertising is unreal. And 20 years ago to advertise to a, a male between the ages of 18 and 24 who's interested in surfing, who has an income level of over 60K per year, which uh, you, you, I'm making a unicorn, but <laughs> um, <laughs> who is all these things and you want to advertise your new surf brand to them, that would have cost so much money 20, 25 years ago. And today, for like pennies on the dollar, you can advertise just to your person. Even locally, if you just have a store and you're not online at all, being able to advertise to a woman who's over the age of 40, who's into interior design, who has an income over 250000 a year, all of these various things, who just moved to a new home, like recently moved. Like there's all these things that you can get that are so expensive. I think that's such a great asset to retailers not to mention all the POS and, and open to buy planning that you can get that once, you know, took an old guy mailing you a spreadsheet mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to do all this stuff right at your fingertips. And that is incredible. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about things that I know can be intimidating. Um, but what I do hope that you're hearing is some encouragement that like your retail business can thrive. Yeah. And if you got into this, because you're excited about the products you sell, if you're passionate about those products, whether it's a surf equipment or your boutique selling clothes styles that you really connect with, whatever, if you got into this business because you're passionate about that and you want to serve your community or serve a certain demographic, this is the perfect time to be in retail because you have so many opportunities to interact and engage with your customers on social media, on your store, you have the ability to really make a unique presence and sort of express what you're always wanting to express about your lifestyle and your company and what's unique about it and what you're passionate about. So I I agree. There's so many new and quickly changing ways to, to do that and to sort of fulfill that passion that you had while you got into this yeah absolutely so michael thanks for chatting with me today anytime Um, yeah if you are not a member if you have not checked out our website um, we give resources and tools for independent retailers to grow their businesses um, to learn to grow it whether you want to start something new or grow what you already have um, and then of course just get inspired to go to the next level um, you can check us out at retailinitiative.com don't forget to join our private facebook group um, where you can one connect with us but also connect with each other so thank you for listening um, michael thanks for chatting yeah and we'll catch you next time 
So we talked about a lot of things today, and I think it can be really overwhelming to have your in-store business and the idea of moving online or opening your first online business can be super intimidating. So I think what I'd love to leave you with is the, the brief takeaways. So first, if you don't have a Facebook page, set up a Facebook page, but I'm kind of assuming that you do already, um, is get a Facebook pixel set up on your website. Even if you don't have an e-commerce business, still track that information because that is what's gonna open you to the world of Facebook ads and all that that can do for you. Next is, of course, we encourage you to get online. If you are online already, is set up an in-store pickup option. Depending on what platform you're on, there's apps that make this possible. Um, you also could reach out to professional developers and, and designers to do this sort of thing. Either way, take this information and do something that applies a way that you can use your online business to drive in-store traffic. That is the big push here. And I think that between using your, your Facebook information and your in-store pickup options, that's a great starting place. There's plenty more to do, but I think that those are the best and easiest places to start. So again, I really appreciate you listening. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And you don't hesitate to reach out to us or just stop by and say hello at retailinitiative.com. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.